right, so, uh, yes. This is like our second large group of the semester. We've had so many breaks, like Chuseok and a red day last week, and so it feels like we kind of lost momentum, but it's okay, we're here. You're, are you okay, Tiff, are you, are you, are you okay? You're, oh. <laughs> you're looking at me like you're doing something guilty. <laughs> And she was. She happened to be eating a snack. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. So uh, actually, today's sermon is going to be not like a, like a sermon sermon. It's going to be like a, like a vision casting sort of thing, sort of uh, like a sermonette, like a, like a mini sermon. Actually, I, I'll probably end up speaking longer anyway, so it'll probably just be a sermon anyway. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, today... I want to be preaching out of Acts chapter 2, so if you have your Bible, you can, you can turn there. But uh, this is a passage that I really, really love, and this is something I always look back to, and uh, this is something I kind of want us as a community, as Emmaus SNU, to kind of look to as something to kind of guide us uh, in our Christian walks, and especially for this semester and coming semesters. Uh, things are kind of looking different, you, as you know, in terms of like New Philadelphia Church, because you know Emmaus is a campus ministry under New Philadelphia Church, so it inevitably affects us as a community, right? Because the volunteers, the staff, we're all part of New Philadelphia. You guys all go to New Philadelphia on Sundays, and so um, inevitably, we're gonna have to start stop. We're gonna have to stop relying on the structures that we've put in place, right? I'm really going to have to look to God uh, to, to kind of just guide us. And so uh, there's kind of a deconstruction going on here, but we also want to reconstruct as the Lord leads. So this is something I felt God was kind of speaking. And so if you have your Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 2. We're looking from verse 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 47. And I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, if you have a Bible with the, the heading on it, it's called The Fellowship of the Believers. So I'll go ahead and read it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. <clears throat> Have you guys ever come across this verse before? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, good. Uh, well, before I kind of get into the text, I, I kind of just want to share a little bit about uh, myself. <laughs> uh, I want to share about my college years, okay? Uh, I know that this seems like such a long time ago. Uh, we're in 2008. That was in from 2004 to 2009, so almost a decade ago. About a decade ago, I was in college, and uh, when I was in college so many years ago, I had... You know, I was in Delaware. I was going to University of Delaware, 
And in 2004, when I graduated, I had just entered into college and I was just about to join. And, you know, I was already a believer, a Christian at that point. And, uh, you know, of course, inevitably, I would join a college fellowship group. Kind of like Emmaus, but not Emmaus. It was uh, a different one. It was called Rocks, R-O-X, X like crossed, cross, relying on Christ. Yeah, I didn't come up with it. It was a friend of mine. But uh, yeah, it was started by this friend of mine, uh, this Hyung at that point. He was like a Hyung because, you know, back then three years is like, a, is like huge, right? Now like three years is like, oh, whatever, you know? But yeah, uh, when I was in college, there was this Hyung then who he and another guy started this Rocks Fellowship Group, this Rocks Korean or no, Asian Fellowship on campus. It was the first Asian Christian Fellowship at University of Delaware that we knew of. Anyway, we, we were just starting. I was part of that first group. And, uh, you know, Delaware is a small state. Everyone kind of knows each other, especially all the Koreans. All the Koreans, I think, pretty much know each other in Delaware. And so these guys, I knew him. Uh, his, his name is Tim. Uh, I knew Tim since, like, we were, like, way back when I was, like, very little. Anyway, that's, a, that's another story. But, um, yeah, we all kind of knew each other. So um, he kind of helped out at my youth group, and he was kind of leading the youth group at that time. Uh, before I went into college, and here, there he was to ch- kind of welcome me in, into college, kind of funneling me and all the other uh, youth group people that he kind of helped disciple into this ministry. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that was how Rocks got started, and every year we grew in numbers, and it was pretty cool how God was just adding more people. Uh, and again, it was, it was a bit like Emmaus in that it was a college fellowship, uh, but it was a little different too. Um, we weren't so, like, Holy Spirit-focused, but still, at the end of the day, we, we had the same core beliefs, Christianity, you know? Um, and, you know, just like Emmaus, we'd meet once a week. We'd meet for a large group. We didn't call it large group. We just called it rocks. <laughs> uh, yeah, we just had our meeting, and then we also had small groups, and I think we did call those small groups. Uh <laughs> Christians and our, like, naming things. It's all, it's all similar. Small groups, large groups, right? Uh, but yeah, we had our uh, large group meetings and our small group meetings. And uh, at that time, you know, we just met a lot. We would kind of just hang out together. We'd play games. We played Settlers of Catan back then. <laughs> Some of you guys play that game. It's, like, pretty big in our community now. But even back then, we were playing it. And... Um, that was when I first got introduced to it. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'd call each other up randomly. We'd go to the dining hall. We'd go to Bible study. And then we'd just hang out. And, you know, back then we didn't have cacao talk, so we couldn't, like, just message each other very easily. Actually, you had to pay for your text messages. Were you guys, did you guys ever have to do that? Yeah, right? Remember that? You had to pay for, <laughs> okay, not that young, Okay. But yeah, remember those days when we had to pay uh, for text messages, like 50 messages a month or something, and so many minutes of, of phone um, talk, calling, right? But uh, yeah, we, we would live like that. And you know, over time, over those four years, I kind of grew, and I continued to grow, go to Bible study, I continued to go to rocks, and eventually I became like a leader uh, by the time I was a senior. I was pretty much kind of uh, helping lead the ministry. Um, now, I specifically remember the close relationships that I built uh, from my time there. One of my closest friends, Tim, who was the guy that kind of helped start it, uh, 
we would actually call each other for accountability. And for you guys we've, who've been going to New Philly, um, accountability has like it's sort of like, you know, you know, it's, it's got its thing, Stig stigma, or I don't know. Everyone kind of has this idea of what accountability is. It's like, oh, it's like this sort of like legalistic thing. Well, it can be legalistic. I'm sure a lot of people were very blessed by it. But uh, yeah, accountability is a great thing, right? Even before New Philly, I had known about accountability and done it with my friend Tim. And so, uh, yeah, you know, it, I think I can speak about this very openly uh, because I've shared a lot of my story with you guys before. But, you know, I think a lot of guys, girls too, everybody, I think a lot of people have struggled with, like, pornography or, like, lust and things like that, masturbation, right? We can talk about these things openly. Um, but, yeah, I remember at that time I was kind of, like, struggling with it, and I was really, I was really wanting to overcome that sin. So I was sharing with Tim, like, gosh, man, like, I'm struggling with this sin. Can you please, like, pray for me, help me out? And we would pray for each other, right? And not only would we pray for each other, but when we, our accountability thing that we set up was this. If one of us were to slip up, we have to confess to each other over the phone and say, hey, man, I messed up. And then the other person would fast for that person. Yeah, it was, it was like deep, right? And so there were times where like, you know, he'd call me, be like, yo, bro, I messed up. I'd be like, all right, all right I got you. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray for you next meal. And then sometimes I'd mess up and he'd be like, okay, I'll pray for you and fast. And like we started off with like such great intentions and I don't know how long that lasted, but I think, you know, I don't think we continued it for years, but for a few months we did it, right? And um, yeah, that's, what's, that's something that we, we did back then. And, um, you know, I also during that time uh, was when I was going through all my other backslidden times that I shared with you about in previous sermons or whatever. You know, I had, I had gone in and out of, like, drug use and alcoholism and, and partying. Uh, you know, growing, growing up in American college, right, it's like, yeah, you, you go through that. And uh, all the while, I was still, because I, I think I've shared this too before, is that on one hand, I was living in the world. On the other hand, my faith was growing. I was in the Word. I was going to this group, Rocks, and I was, my faith was very real. I was growing. I was very interested in the Bible, and I was growing every week in my knowledge of the Word. But at the same time, I was living very fleshly. And you guys know how the story ends. Basically, uh, what that did was it, it, it opened up like a way for demons to attack me. But that's another story. You can <laughs> ask me about it later. But yes, that happened. And um, it was because I had this community that I was able to come back to the Lord when I was ready. Could you imagine if I had gone through all that and I'm telling these people, guys, I sinned in this way and this way and this way, and I'm wanting to come back to the Lord, but they were like, mm, I don't know, that, that's a pretty bad sin. I don't think you can be a part of our group. I mean, could you imagine if that had happened? I might not be here right now, Right? But because they were so open, because they were so uh, accepting of my vulnerability, it allowed me to kind of come back to the Lord in a way that was very, like, loving. And in a, in a strange way, that uh, experience that I had in and of itself kind of knit us together as a group. It's like my vulnerability allowed us as a group to really get together and, and be brothers and sisters in Christ and to help each other walk out this life. So that was from 2004 to 2009. Now it's almost a decade 
after my graduation, and my three closest friends from back home are still in contact with me. One of them was Tim uh, and his brother, Chris, and then another one of my friends, uh, his name is also Sam. <laughs> uh, but the four of us, we have stayed in touch all through those years, since then and up till now. Tim's brother, Chris, was the one that was at New Philly before I was. He's the, one, he's the reason I came to New Philly, but he was in Korea at the time when I was living in Ukraine. So after college, I lived in Philly for a little bit, and then I moved to Ukraine, where I was serving as a Peace Corps volunteer. So I was there for two and a half years, and during that time, I still kept in touch with all these guys. We would Skype every month, every week, whatever. Like every so often, we'd keep in touch. We'd pray for each other. We would continue to keep each other accountable. And even though I was in Ukraine in this like middle of nowhere country in Europe by myself, even in this little village by myself with surrounded by all these Ukrainians, um, I still had some sort of accountability. Even though like I knew like I could probably just do something and, and there would be no repercussions. But the fact that I had this accountability still kept me going in a relationship with these people, with my close friends. Now, Chris at that time was coming to New Philly in its like heyday, and so that's when Holy Spirit was like really moving and everyone was experiencing all kinds of like healing and miraculous things and, and the gift of tongues and all these things here at New Philly. And I saw Chris transforming. I saw him because I knew him so well, right, because of all of the times we had together. I knew how broken he was. I knew all the struggles he had. I knew about his weaknesses. Now, when I saw the way he was praying for me over Skype, I was like, oh my gosh, there's something different about him. What is going on? And then that's when I knew, like, oh my gosh, this New Philly church, there's something here. God is doing something. And so here I saw this community. I was like, man, this is a community I want to be a part of. This is a community worth traveling around the world to be at. And so I did that. So in 2013, uh, after I finished my Peace Corps, I, I went home and, and got my CELTA certification in the hopes of coming to Korea to be an English teacher. So I came to Korea with two reasons, to be an English teacher and to join New Philadelphia Church. And so I've been here since for the last five years. Uh, shortly after I came to Korea, Chris moved back to Delaware and over the years, I still kept in touch with all of them. And so we still Skype and pray for each other. And so even though Chris had a hard time moving away from such a nice community, um, I was able to encourage him. So now, in a few weeks, you guys know I'm, I'm going to get married in like less than three weeks. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm getting married in about two weeks. And uh, those guys are coming. So Tim and Chris are going to be flying in to Korea for my wedding. Sam was here not too long ago, so I understand, Sam. It's okay. <laughs> um, if, if you were to ever listen to this. I don't think he will, though, but whatever. Uh, yeah. So, so those guys are going to be standing with me as my groomsmen at my wedding. And uh, now when I look back at my years in college, it was not perfect, obviously. I mean, I was trying to be a Christian, but at the same time, I was, like, falling really hard. Um, I was growing. I was growing. When I look back at my years at New Philly, it was also not perfect. We were growing, and we still are. We had such highs, but now we've been experiencing some lows, and hopefully things are going to look up, but we'll see. I have a lot of hope, though. 
I'll, I'll just add that. Um, but through it all, I can see uh, how God has been using the community around me, uh, the fellowship around me to bless me, and also to use me as a blessing to those around me. So uh, with that as sort of a context, uh, as a sort of a backdrop, let's go back to uh, the text. Now this text, I mean, uh, I won't read it again, but you can look at it. The text is not very difficult to break down. It just kind of gives you a picture of what they were doing, the disciples. Now, I first came across this text around that time when I was in college, and it stuck with me. Those times when I was leading in that fellowship, this is something I always looked to, and I always tried to follow this as sort of a model, like a guideline, a picture of what Christian fellowship should look like. So if ever as a Christian, you feel that something is off about your Christian life, then look to this as the litmus test. This here is our example of what our lives as a community should look like. Notice what you don't see here. You don't see the temple worship. You don't see the weekly meetings. You don't necessarily see like a set large group or a concert, like a Hillsong looking like lights and lasers and screens all around you. Uh, Now, I'm not saying that those are bad things. There's a time and place for it. We need to reach the masses. We need to be in the cities. We need to have different settings for church. We need large groups. We've needed it. But if this fellowship aspect isn't there, then all this other stuff, all it really is, is just a show. Right? What, do you, what do you have if like, you have this great service with a whole band and everyone's playing these great songs, everybody's worshiping, but then right afterwards you just leave? Everybody just goes home. It's like, what is that? Where's the fellowship? Where is the love? Where is the giving? Where's the receiving? Where's the blessing? Where's the prayer? Encouragement. Instead, what we see is that the fellowship is where the Holy Spirit is now in us. And when we meet, when we rub shoulders, when we live life and do things together, when we're doing life together, that's when the Spirit is alive. That's when the church is being the church. So we want to make Emmaus SNU reflect this. We really had to take a step back and ask ourselves, what are we doing here? You know, me and the staff, uh, the staff and I, we've been meeting, we've been praying, we've been thinking, asking God, like, what are we doing? I mean, it's great. Like, we all have our commitments to this ministry, and we all feel very called to be here. And so we're trusting that God has something for us. But we still have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Why do we still do large groups the way we've always been doing it? As if there's like 20 people in here, right? Uh, how many undergrad students do we have here today? Like actual undergrad students, one. And, and he's a returned military. <laughs> so we literally have zero um, undergrad students, like our population that we're trying to reach with this ministry here represented today. Now, we have to stop and ask ourselves, like, what are we doing? Okay? Now, I don't think that we're doing a mistake by, you know, I don't think we're here by mistake. I do feel that God has called us. But it's in times like this where we really have to look to God 
and not look to our own devices, not look to our programs, not look to the way things have been going and continue in that way. The heart and soul of what makes a Christian life isn't the service itself. It's not your Sunday service. It's not your Wednesday large group. It's not the small group meeting scheduled. It's the relationship of the people, the relationship, the relationship between us and God and the relationship that we have as individuals with each other. So I look at my uh, friends and myself, uh, Tim, Chris, and Sam, and myself, and to me, that is my lifelong small group. No Emmaus crew set that up for us. No rocks leader set that up. Well, they did actually, but uh, you know, it kind of just stuck. And worldwide, wherever we, wherever we are, whatever time zone we're across, we just find ways to meet each other and fellowship. And that to me is the church. Now, I'm not saying, again, that you have to get rid of church and don't go to church and just make your own small group super team and, and be your Christian small group forever, right? You have seasons, and you have to still go to church. You should go to church. Uh, something I want to mention here is that before uh, the temple, right, the temple used to be where the people would meet God in the Old Testament. You had to go through a priest, right? The priest had to do all these ritual washings and then like sacrifice on your behalf and then you could give your offering and uh, do all of that. Now what we see is that the Holy Spirit dwells within the people after the day of Pentecost. So even uh, a chapter before in Acts chapter 1, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, the same chapter, uh, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. We're not going to read it, but you can re refer to it later. The Holy Spirit comes, and then there is the fulfillment of the prophecy that, that God will come and dwell within us as individuals. Now, what, what, is, what does that mean for us? God doesn't just dwell in the temple anymore. There's no house that contains him, but we are the temple. Right? In 1 Corinthians 6, it says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It means that the Holy Spirit lives in each of us. When we believe there is a a deposit of the Holy Spirit within us. God lives in us. So it's not the building, it's not the organization, but the people. When we meet one another, we're doing what used to be the temple worship, to meet God. Now we can meet God through each other. We can meet God in the midst of our presence. Now, um, in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40, um, Jesus gives us the two greatest commandments. What are they? What's the first one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or just love God, if you want to simplify it. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> and the second one, what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love God, love others. Very simple. God, Jesus himself says it. Uh, now, if Matthew 22 is the command, love God, love others, then Acts 2, 42 to 47, is like the example, the picture of that command being played out. So what does it look like in practice? Well, um, as I was kind of showing with my hands, there's an upward relationship and a sideways relationship. It kind of looks like a cross, eh? 
I wonder if that means something. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but love God, love others. Okay? Now, I want to break down this text just a little bit. There really isn't that much to break down. Uh, but I just kind of want to show what this text looks like in the light of Matthew 22, in the light of that command, love God, love others. I'm, I'm going to just kind of read it and comment as I go. So just listen. Starting from verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Apostles' teaching is learning about God, up. And to the fellowship, fellowship, others, side by side. To the breaking of bread, side by side. And to prayer, up. Everyone was filled with awe. Everyone together. Okay? Uh, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Wonders and signs, power comes from God, up. And then also sideways. The apostles are using their gifts to bless one another. All the believers were together, side by side, and had everything in common, side by side. Verse 45, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need, side by side, blessing one another. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together. Every day they met, side by side, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, side by side. Glad and sincere hearts, sincere hearts, thanking God upwards. Okay? Verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Praising God, upward. Enjoying the favor of the people, side. Okay? And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Up. The Lord added to their number daily, side by side. Okay? Pretty obvious, okay? But, uh, yeah, there it is. You see it in practice. Love God, love others. Right there. There's a snapshot for you, for you to see what it looks like. So, we often think we have to go and find people, right? I'm going to talk a little bit about verse 47. The Lord added to their number daily. We feel like we have to go and evangelize, especially those of us Christians who have that, like, missions drive. You know, some people are, like, really into, like, discipling. Some people are really into, like, praise music. And then there are those who are just like, oh, we got to reach the ends of the earth. we got to tell the whole world, right? And sometimes there's that temptation for us to be like, oh, we got to go find people, Uh I think I'm a little bit more oriented to that. Um, so I'm like always thinking, like, oh, we got to go fly or we got to get our posters out there so that like, even though I'm not doing a very good job of it, but still, it's, on, it's in the back of my head. And uh, it's true. We do have to do our part. We have to reach those who do not know the Lord. But uh, it's not completely up to us, right? Because it says here, it is the Lord who added to their number daily. We do our part, but it is God who makes them come. It is God who makes the fellowship happen, right? Like Emma today, I did not call Emma. I don't know how, you know, like God brought her here today. Really random. Um, but yeah, that tells me like uh, just the slight, slightest of signs that like, okay, God is like with us, even though it's not about, because it's not about numbers, right? It's not about numbers. It's about the fellowship, what is the quality of fellowship that we will have here? So yeah, this verse is very humbling. 
do your part, but don't get down on yourself if there are not people. I, mean, I should be preaching to myself. That's for me, not for you guys. But yes, you too. Uh, don't get down on yourself if you're not like bringing people in. Um, yes, do bring people in, but don't like blame yourself if that doesn't happen. Um, so, Emmaus, I want this to be a challenge. Don't wait for me to tell you to do something. Uh, don't wait for a small group leader to challenge you. Sometimes I wonder, what would happen to Emmaus if Aaron, Sungi, Hannah, and I just kind of stopped? What would happen? Like, would you guys still meet? Would one of you call each other up and say, hey, we have to pray together. Hey, I need to keep you accountable. What would happen? I think for too long, we've been reliant on this culture of leadership and passive submission. Um, now, again, I think in the previous season, God did amazing things at New Philly and Emmaus. I'm not discounting any of that. But I do think that there was a downside to it in that we learned to be so complacent. We learned to just take orders so that we kind of left our face to someone else's responsibility. God doesn't want your blind obedience. He wants your love. He wants you to choose him. Love is a choice. Would you fight for your faith, for your brothers and sisters, for joy, for your campus? So this is my challenge to you. See, with this message, I'm hoping to bring vision for this semester, yes. But I don't want just to do religion and programs. We'll continue to meet and have large group and have a space for this. Um, but at the end of the day, if we're just doing programs, if we're just doing large group, then this is nothing. We need to be a community of love. We need to be a community. Because a community is about relationships between people. We need to be a community that is connected to God, first of all, and with one another. So, uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to try some new things. We're going to try to make Wednesdays a time for fellowship. Uh, I mean, it kind of works out logistically because, like, you know, I'm wedding planning and all that stuff. And so, I'm going to kind of take a step back and, and I'm going to let you guys, you know, I'm going to challenge you guys. Do you really want this ministry? Because it's not just mine. In fact, it's not mine. It's God's ministry, but do you want it? Do you want this? So, um, yeah, for the next few weeks, we're going to try to come up with some new creative ways to kind of have fellowship events, uh, activities. We're going to leave Wednesdays for just that. We're going to like kind of scrap large group in the way that it's been going for a little bit. And let Wednesday be a time where you want to be there for fun because you want to connect with each other, because you just want a fun activity to do. And bring a friend. Bring five friends. I don't know. Yeah. And then you'll still have your small group where you'll have your discipleship. You'll still have your accountability with your small group leaders. But I'm wondering sometimes, like, what is the point of doing large group the way we've been doing it for three students, <laughs> none of whom are 
actual undergrad college students, <laughs> right? Uh, but we still want to have this ministry because it's about the people. It's okay if Emma's here. It's okay if we have all grad students or just random people that just want to be here just because they want to connect with God. That's okay. And organizations do need leaders, yes? It's great to submit. But again, don't delegate your faith to someone else. It's got to be your own. Now that's both liberating and scary at the same time. Because now you have to face what you believe and what your actions will do. If the structure falls, where's your faith? Is it still going to stand or is it just going to melt away? Or are you going to find this as an excuse to just slip away? And that's okay if you do. Or maybe God calls you elsewhere. That's okay, right? Um, but yeah, you really have to ask yourself, are you here just because there's structure? So I challenge you. I dare you to do more than just show up, show up to large group and small groups and Sunday services. I dare you to cacao each other randomly, ping each other throughout the week. Hey, want to grab a meal? Hey, let's study. See what happens. God will bless you. You might find a lifelong friend or two or three. You might just be blessed. You might see what it's like to give your time and see how God blesses you through that. Now, for me, I've been on this journey for a long time now. I first met the Lord in the year 2000, 18 years ago. Oh, my gosh, I'm a legal adult in my spiritual age now. <laughs> uh, you know, and then, you know, I met the Lord in 2000, and then I backslid. I was very immature spiritually. But then I came back to him in 2006 after I got my butt kicked by a bunch of demons. And then I slipped up in different ways, you know, but then I, I, I came to this revival in 2013 through New Philly, even though the church itself was kind of, you know, declining. Um, I can tell you there have been a lot of pains and suffering over the journey. But the blessing outweighs the bad infinitely more. And I wouldn't trade my relationship with God for anything. And along the way, I've made lifelong friends, and that's pretty cool. We've made deep relationships through all those good and bad times. And even if some of them can't see it, even if some of the people I've walked alongside and they've slipped away or, you know, whatever, they've been blessed too, even if they can't see it. So I've been blessed immensely and I want the same for you guys. And so that's my challenge for you. And I'll finish with this, but, um, you know, if you didn't know, relationships are hard. This is very hard. Like, Acts 2.42 is great. It's great. I love it. I look to it all the time. But it's like, come on, let's be real. How realistic is that? But that doesn't mean we should, like, lower the standard. That's the standard. We should aim for it. And it's not just hard. It's nearly impossible. In fact, it is impossible. Spend enough time with people and you'll know. Spend, spend enough time just with one person, just with the same five people, and then you will see. Just like sin coming out. It's like, oh, I don't like that person anymore. Oh, I don't like the way that person does this. Ah, oh, like even with your family members. I remember I went on this uh, trip 
uh, a couple years ago with my family. We were in the car and in the hotel for seven days straight. Like, no alone time at all. So we've had, like, every, like, permutation of arguments, like parents versus sons, uh, mom and me versus dad and brother, uh, <laughs> you know, like, just, like, but mom versus dad, like, every, every permutation you can think of, like, all these little bickering arguments. But at the end of the day, we're family, so, like, we love each other. So through it all, we love each other. But that's, that's what you find. Unless you go through that as a community, you can't really love someone. Because it's easy to love someone that's cool and, and just going to serve you all the time. That's not love. That's just convenient. But love is when you see the bad things in someone and you still choose to meet with them and you still choose to be friends with them and you still choose to call them your brother and sister. But there was an even greater chasm that was crossed and that was the gap that was between us and God. And Jesus did the impossible so that we could cross the impassable. And so any relationship that we have with people, no matter how impossible it may seem, no matter how stinky they are, no matter how like, annoying they are, no matter how much I hate them, no matter what history you have with them, it's all possible by the blood of Jesus. So with man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible, even relationships. So, Um, as we kind of embark on this new vision or journey or whatever, keep that in mind. You can't do it alone. In fact, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And choose to love. Choose to love God. Choose to love each other. And take it and make it yours. Don't rely on someone else to do it for you. So yeah, with that, uh, I just want to encourage you guys, make this semester, make this year, make your time in college the best, not because you studied, but because you were intentional with your faith, and you were intentional to love God and love one another. All right, um, let's just pray. I'll close this in prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are, your love, and how though despicable we are in our, in our flesh, in our sin, God, you chose to be with us. You chose to pay the price of the cross. And so, Father, I ask that you give us that same love, the same power to, to love you back and to love others around us, to love others that that are flawed just like us, others who sin, others who are imperfect. But Father, we ask that you give us your eyes for them, that we would love each other. God, we know that there's going to be hard times. We know that uh, to love means to be vulnerable, and to be vulnerable means to open ourselves to hurt. But God, you took on the worst hurt, taking on the nails in your hands and your feet, the crown of thorns, the piercing in your side for us because you counted us worthy. And so, Father, I ask that you give us that grace to love one another. Let this be a community that shines in love, that it would attract people. Lord, won't you add to our numbers? We cannot do this alone. We don't even know what we're doing, God. 
but we trust in you. We look to you and we ask for your guidance. Father, we love you and may we just love. You love others. And let this Acts 2, 42 to 47 picture be something that we aim for. And by your grace, may we attain it. We thank you. May your spirit be with us this week and for all our lives. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.